Hello and welcome. This is the 17th episode. I mean, that's amazing. People are still listening. If you are a regular listener, please get in touch. Um, I know definitely who one of my listeners is, so thanks Gary at The Silver Hedgehog. I'm not sure if other people listen to every episode or just the ones with words in the title that appeal to them. Not much has changed since the last episode, although two new things. One of them, I'm starting a new class on a Friday morning, which will be a much slower paced style of yoga and also include mindfulness and meditation. The other new thing is I've been trying Wiggy with early mornings. He's still a bit reluctant because seven or half past seven in the morning is really not his time of day. We'll see how we get on, you know. It might just get to the point where he flat out refuses to go out the house before 10 o'clock. Who knows? Right, as always, the first part of the podcast is technology or what I've learned about technology lately. There's not much really. I mean, my friend Bryony showed me how to find and send gifts, gifts, gosh, I can't even say it, via WhatsApp. It might seem like a really simple thing to you, but it's definitely not to me. I was also told about a great little app by my friend Richard, who's the same Richard from Archery Geek Outdoors that I've mentioned on the podcast before. And this app's called Snapseed. There's a really informative video on YouTube by Josh Bomar about how to get the best from it. So I've had a watch and I've been having a little play around with that. I mean, a lot of my photos are of the dog, but there's a, there's a few of plants and nature and stuff. And it's amazing. You just press a, a few things on this app and it totally transforms your photos. I can't believe it. Now on to the home yoga practice section. Now that I'm working more, I seem to be spending the time I do have, um, when I'm not working, creating sequences for classes. So while it is yoga practice, it's not just for me, although I am in the process of establishing my own routine again. I just, I I don't know where the time's gone just lately. For the section where I usually talk about yoga in the news or in the media, in, you know, the outside world, there were a few options I could have had for this episode when I was looking for something to talk about. But I came across an article weird things yogis do i mean technically yogi is male yogini is female that's why on instagram i'm known as curly girl yogini there was a list of i think 23 things i chose 10 and i'll tell you at the end you know i'll give you the the score of the ones i agreed with the ones i didn't but you can probably guess you know if you've seen any of my videos or heard me talk about yoga before you, you'll probably as soon as I say you'll probably think oh yeah she does that one oh no she definitely doesn't do that one so the first one you regularly wake up at 5am hmm no I don't Wiggy wakes us up in the early hours maybe more than once and then the alarm goes off at 6 but I'm definitely not a 5am person the second one you wear leggings 99% of the time. Now, maybe not 99%, but I never thought I'd wear leggings in public like I do. But, I mean, I've got a pair of dinosaur and robot ones. They're, they're really good. And I've recently bought some dinosaur fossil ones. 
So I think if you see me out and about, if you do see me in leggings, they'll probably have some form of dinosaur on them. Number three, you have an emotional attachment to your yoga mat. No, I don't. I drew on my posh one, and posh is in, you know, those air quotes. When I left teaching, I was bought a yoga mat, a really expensive yoga mat, which I would never have paid out that amount for. And it is great. I mean, I love it. It's so thick and everything. It's, it's really good quality. During training, we were advised to draw a line down the centre and lines across the mat so that we could see where our hands and feet were for our proportions. So I did. But the amount of people on the teacher training course that said to me, oh, you've drawn on your mats. Why have you drawn on your nice mat? It's like, well, it, it's there to help me. It's just a bit of pen or Sharpie or whatever it was. It's not the end of the world. It hasn't changed how the mat works. The mat doesn't work any less or in a worse way just for having a few lines on. And it helped enormously with my training and with my own practice. So surely that's a good thing. Number four, you skip nights out because you don't want to miss yoga practice the next morning. No, I don't. Although we don't go out much, when we do, there's usually a pub involved. Yes, yoga is a big part of my life, but there are many, many other parts too. The next one, you worry about your arm voice. No. No, I don't because I don't have one. I do appreciate how it works and the symbolism attached to it, you know, to the sound of arm. But as I've said before, it's not something I use in my classes. Number six, you know your trikonasana from your Baddha So Trikonasana is triangle pose and Baddha is bound angle pose. Yes, I do. I know Sanskrit names for several yoga poses and their variations, but there are also some I don't. I learn more as time passes. If I didn't know one pose from the other, I've got no right to be a yoga teacher. So it's a good job I do. The next one. You have odd looking bruises on your arms thanks to crow. Now, if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that crow was a big achievement for me. But it's not a regular thing. It's not a regular pose I do. I often have bruises on my arms and legs, but it's usually because I've walked into something or some inanimate object got me or wiggy ran past me with a stick. Number eight, you carry your mat with you everywhere. No, I don't. I have enough stuff to carry. Plus, don't really go anywhere or don't go anywhere very often. Number nine. Other people admire views while you think that would be a great yoga pose backdrop. And I'll say 50% for this. When we're out and about, sometimes I'll ask Mark to take a yoga photo. But often, I'll be the one wanting to take the photo of what we can see anyway. I mean, there's plenty of photos out there already of people against beautiful sunsets and on the top of mountains and by crystal clear lakes me well you'll probably just get a photo of wiggy sniffing at the edge of the water and the last one whenever you see a friend with a new yoga mat you have to touch it no i don't 
I mean, yes, I am the type of person that will stroke cushion covers for sale in shops because, you know, they're soft and furry or something. But I know what a yoga mat feels like. So I don't need to try and test it out. Rounding all that up, I got it at seven and a half to things I don't do versus two and a half to things I do. So does this mean I'm not a proper yogini? I mean, seriously, after I read that article, I just thought, who thinks of this stuff? I mean, it, it did give me, you know, 10 minutes or something of like, hmm, okay, maybe some people do, maybe they don't. As I've said before, I have my style and most people who come into contact with me now are used to my style and could probably uh, say which ones of those they agreed with or not for me without me telling them. This is now a follow-on from the last episode when I spoke about the Wim Hof method and if you're not sure who Wim Hof is you can either listen to the previous episode or probably easier is just to type his name in in Google. He's also known as the Iceman and read about him there. I've been having a cold shower nearly every day for nearly the last three weeks. There were just two days where I had a bath instead. So I start off with having a normal hot shower and then spend about 10 seconds making it colder and colder because if you do it too quick it's quite a shock. There is that involuntary gasp of air (gasps) like that and you really have to focus on your breath. This is definitely a time when my concentration levels are high. Once it's cold and I mean cold cold I didn't even know the shower could go that cold. I tried to count to 30, although I still don't feel I get the full experience as I don't always put my head under in order to keep my hair dry as I'm not an everyday hair washer. You know, if you've seen pictures of my hair, you'll understand why. But seriously, try it. It's now part of my daily routine and some days I've done it twice. So basically, whenever I've had a shower, not a bath, I've ended it cold. I did mention it to my friend Carla, but funnily enough, she wasn't too keen. But please let me know if you do try it. This is a little extra bit, so it's not really connected to yoga, but it is about getting more from your daily life. I read about Elon Musk's five-minute rule, and it's all about time blocking. How often do you sit down and end up aimlessly scrolling through social media or Quora or you know anything else on the internet? To be honest, with the amount of reading I've been doing lately, there's been little time to look at a little screen. So the idea of time blocking is if you have a very short amount of time in which to do something, you put all of your energy into it. So your productivity increases. Since you've already decided what to do, your mind becomes engrossed in the task at hand and stops trying to think about or become distracted by or focus on other things and your concentration increases as a result. Elon Musk uses this to be super productive. He's a contrabillionaire. Surely that's a made-up word. Uh, Yes it is because my handwriting is so terrible it actually says centibillionaire. According to the internet, which is never wrong, it means someone whose wealth is estimated as at least a hundred million dollars or pounds. So it's only a guess. It could be out by a little bit. According to the Bloomberg Billionaire Index, Elon Musk is currently the richest person in the world. Now, let's be clear. 
I don't want to be rich. I definitely don't want to be the richest person in the world unless it means I can rescue all the dogs and cats that need homes. But I do like his idea of time blocking. However, five minutes seems a bit extreme. So previously, I have split my time into half-hour blocks before I even read about this five-minute thing. But I've found the best thing that works for me is a daily list. You write your list every morning, or you can write it out a few days in advance. And each time you do something, you cross it off or you tick it off. But I hate not being able to cross everything out. So in some ways, this may have an adverse effect. I don't know. Anyway, back to the podcast. It's now time for Eyes, Ears, Seen and Been. And wow, there's a lot for this episode. I'll try not to go into too much detail. Starting with the eyes. So things that I've read over the last month or so. Italy has been my chosen country for this month. I tell you, it's been hard going. I read The Descent into Hell, which chose parts from Dante's Inferno. And it was particularly difficult but it did have an interesting rhyming scheme, especially since it was translated from Italian to English and kept the same pattern, the same rhyming pattern. Another one that I read was Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It was a bit better and he did have some quite thought-provoking ideas on Stoic philosophy, but again, I had to read it in little chunks. One that I really enjoyed was called Mandolin Fior. I think that's how it's pronounced. Please don't shout at me for my lack of Italian accent. It's a 14th century Italian folktale and it involves a dragon and mustachioed bandits. And I loved the fact that throughout the story, these this little group of people were referred to as mustachioed bandits. And there was a picture as well. It was much more on my level. The latest book... And the last one in my uh, Italian collection is The Name of the Rose. And it came up while I was looking for Italian classic literature, basically. It was recommended by my friend Richard, not the archery geek outdoors Richard, a different Richard, who said it was the best book he had ever read. I've still got about 100 pages to read. And while I think it's extremely well written, there were various parts that I admit just went right over my head. Yes, it is a very good book, very well written. It wouldn't be my top 10, but I'm glad to have read it. I mean, I haven't finished reading it, but I'm glad that I've stuck at it. The first, gosh, 100, 150 pages, it's a slow burner, as he described it. And yeah, it definitely is. But then it got really interesting. I'd be willing to watch the film version with Sean Connery for a comparison. One more book I'd like to mention, nothing to do with Italy. It's a kid's book and I borrowed it off my friend John and it's called The Otterbury Incident. It's a children's book, but it's it's a smashy little read. It's not dumbed down for kids. It's a, a great story. Adventure, you know, mischief, mayhem. It's by C. Day-Lewis, who I found out is the father of Daniel Day-Lewis, the actor. And it's just great. I don't want to give you any details because... It's one of those books that once you've read it, you're kind of a bit sad that you won't get to read it again for the first time. So I shall be on the lookout for more stories like that. I mean, it was written a long, long time ago and you certainly wouldn't get away with writing it nowadays. And I think that's probably why it makes it so good. Right, the ears. 
more podcasts. I've been listening to two new ones just lately. One of them, the Forgotten Origins podcast, talks about where some of the well-known fairy tales come from and the different versions. The Pied Piper. Now, I've always thought it was a sinister character. I had the Ladybird version when I was little and I remember being rather startled, is that the right word, at the ending. I wouldn't say horrified, but rather alarmed maybe at the ending where was the happy ending where was it the children just disappeared but maybe that's where my love of germany started i don't know it was a very long time ago when i first read it and it wasn't until i was much older that i also discovered that pied referred to his clothes and not his eyes or music as i'd thought it was when i was little i mean Really, what eight-year-old is going to know that pied means multicoloured clothing? Although I've worn my fair share of pied clothing over the years. I wonder if this story was also the reason that I started playing the recorder at junior school. One of my main memories of junior school, though, was being made to stand on stage in a school play of the Pied Piper. And my line was, they must be caught. I hated every second of that. Yes, it was about three seconds the thought of standing on stage in front of people hated i used to hate those friday afternoon assemblies where you'd have to put on a little play in front of the rest of the school i love watching them when other classes were doing them but when our class had to do it oh it was horrible i've never liked talking in front of people and i know that probably seems really weird now because i do it weekly on a regular basis as a job but I mean, I've told people in my class sometimes that I do find it difficult to get my ideas across sometimes and I do get tongue-tied and I find it difficult to, to look at people when I'm talking to them as well but it's just one of those things you know just have to get on with it don't you and I think the fact that I'm doing something that I enjoy like yoga it helps me to overcome the fact that I'm doing it in front of people and I'm also helping them to do it as well without sounding trite or anything it, it is worth the little bit of being uncomfortable I'll continue with the theme of characters not being very nice and tell you about the other podcast that I've been listening to which is the evolution of horror if you've listened to previous episodes you'll know that I love a good 80s slasher film. Halloween, even though it was late 70s, Friday the 13th and so on. I can't believe I didn't find this podcast sooner. And the man who creates it is called Mike Munster. And he's joined by a different guest every episode to discuss a particular film or two in depth. I've only listened to a couple of them so far. The first one I listened to was about Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice. And another one was the first one in a series about slashers so yeah ideal for me if you're into horror in any way it's well worth a listen so that's called the evolution of horror and you just type it in and it will come up on google and it even on the web page even splits it into categories so if you've got a certain type of horror film you like you can go straight to that category the scene part now there's been quite a few different things over the last few weeks we started watching a documentary series called cocaine cowboys about two childhood friends who became drug kingpins 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 in miami in the 80s 
So I haven't finished watching it yet, but it's good so far. A film we watched, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's got Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio in it. It's not what I thought it was. I thought it was actually about the Manson murders, but they're just like a little side story, if you like, but still enjoyable. I signed up for the free trial to Shudder as the original Halloween film was on there. Well, I went to watch it and it's disappeared. But I did watch an excellent film, well, I thought it was excellent, called The Mortuary Collection. It was an anthology of stories all tied together by this man who works in a mortuary. If every film could live up to my expectation like that did, then I'd be laughing. On the other hand, I watched the new Creepshow series. Very hit and miss. More miss than hit, really. We re-watched, or yeah, yeah, we've both seen it. We re-watched An American Werewolf in London. And Rick Mayer looks so young. And we still can't figure out how he ended up in a London hospital if it happened in Yorkshire. Please tell me if you can shed any light on this. So after we'd watched that, we decided to watch the sequel, An American Werewolf in Paris. I'd seen it many years ago, but forgot how bad it was. Mark said the production value reminded him of Buffy, the TV show. And I think he was right. It it really does. So that led on to a discussion of the bad slash terrible films we'd watched. Cool as Ice is very high on the list. Apparently, it's a 1991 American romantic musical comedy film with Vanilla Ice. He's a rapper who rides a motorbike drifting from city to city. You're just desperate to watch it now, aren't you? I won't spoil it by giving you any more details, but I also won't recommend you spend 91 minutes watching it either because it's really not very good. And as for being with Bean Places, the weather has been agreeable overall and Mark has been doing a lot of work on the van. So last weekend we went to Abbots Bromley for a photo event. We went last year as well. It's organised by a photographer who invites different living history groups to take part and then other photographers pay to attend and photograph a range of people and situations or scenery. I don't really know how best to describe it. But if you wanted to look for the man, um, he's got a Facebook page, Chappers Photography. We camped over the night before and we took a walk down to one of the local pubs. Wiggy was the main attraction. Of course he was. He, He loves people and people love him. There was a lovely cafe in the courtyard called Cobwebs. That weekend was also Bosworth weekend. But due to the weather, I stayed at home with Wiggy while Mark went to live in the late 1400s for the day. It didn't stop me watching Blackadder though because it's become kind of a after Bosworth, come home on the Sunday, uh, put Blackadder on, the first one of course, have a Chinese. So we still did all that but I got to stay at home in the dry. And this now brings us to the last part of the podcast. The mindfulness or relaxation part of it. There are two sections to this and the first one is from a book that I've used before called Mindful Journaling by Tara Ward and it's about focusing on a physical aspect of yourself that you like the least and we all have one if not more than one. Why do you dislike this part of your body? 
and what is it that you struggle to accept now consider that part of you and what it does on a daily basis how does it nurture and support and help you how often do you actually appreciate it what would have to happen for you to learn to like it close your eyes focus on your breathing and let yourself relax then take your attention to that part of your body and ask it what you could do to change your attitude observe what happens notice what you think and feel wash away any emotion you don't want at the end and make sure that your feet feel heavy and solid on the ground before you reflect on this experience and you never know you may surprise yourself the second section is an original relaxation that i wrote inspired by my friend carla who when i asked for ideas um she gave me the idea of sitting in a cozy armchair by the fire all nice and warm so this is called surprisingly armchair by the fire just make sure you're comfortable whether you're lying or sitting and close your eyes imagine walking into a small cozy room with an armchair placed at one end next to a roaring fire and a window at the opposite end you make your way over to the chair sink down onto the soft cushion and lean back feeling the padding in the chair almost mould itself around you a feeling of calm fills you from within resting in the chair you can allow any tension to ease itself out of your body and float away you watch the flames of the fire ever changing never repeating you lean forward and hold out your hands to feel the warmth allowing the heat to seep into you feeling toasty you sit back in the chair the low crackle of the logs becomes background noise as your breathing becomes deeper your breath reaches a steady rhythm inhale exhale inhale exhale as the logs continue to burn the smell of cedar wood fills the air you feel calm and relaxed your skin is warm and soft a gentle drum beat is heard outside of raindrops tapping against the glass panes in the window you are glad to be inside in this cosy room out of the rain you listen out for subtle differences in the sounds you appreciate being indoors dry and comfortable Bring your attention to your breath. Allow all other sounds to fade. Rest here for a while, listening to the sound of your breath as you breathe in and out. Feel the breath 
enter and leave your body in turn. It is now time to leave your cosy room, but keep the feeling of calm with you. As you open your eyes and stand up, you notice that the fire is dying down. The flames have all but disappeared and smouldering ashes provide a faint glow. Outside the rain has stopped, leaving water speckles on the window pane. You exit the room, but take with you an overriding sense of peace. And then in your own time, you can open your eyes and bring yourself back to the present. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with any ideas or questions, you can email me, say yes to yoga at hotmail.com or you can do it through my website email, which is admin at sayestoyoga.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook under Say Yes to Yoga, Instagram, my name is Curly Girl Yogini, and if you want to take a look at the website, it's www.sayestoyoga.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be back again hopefully next month. Bye. Thank you.